Okay. So please notice if you had any response to the techno dukkha of having to listen to, you know, AJ and Elise and myself, and are we going to get it together or not with the Zoom reality? And you don't have to change anything or fix anything. You want to be aware of it. Or even now that I'm continuing to talk about it, man, be aware that you would rather that I be quiet and give instructions about the meditation, um, which of course I'm doing. And somebody's even tapping their partner to confirm what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, and it's great. You don't have to change it. Just be aware of it. And, and pay attention to the energy, the liveness of any kind of response or reaction, or the, not, or the liking or not liking of what's happening. We want to be very patient tonight with our experience and see what it is rather than judge it or have to grab onto it has to be this way or that way or, or some other way. And as we get present here, please begin the formal meditation, if you wish, with your body. Our intention being to establish an embodied awareness. Uh, a presence of awareness. And of course, the mindfulness of the body is not from a distance. We want to be aware of the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic aliveness that's sitting in our seat. And so the mindfulness is really a bodyfulness. We can be mindful of the body by feeling it or sensing it or knowing it experientially, not just cognitively. And it's so simple that often we go into our thought process about the body instead of just feeling it. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, any experience of the body is part of the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. So the contact with the cushion or the bench or the chair, or if you happen to be standing, just your feet on the floor. Or the contact of your clothes touching your body. temperature that may be here. Actually quite a beautiful day here in San Francisco. And so you may notice the warmth or may feel very comfortable for you that it's warm or you may be enjoying the warmth or you may be wishing that you had air conditioning if you're in a certain building or apartment. Maybe you're wishing, uh, looking forward to the warmth going away or staying. And all of the experience of warmth is known through the body. And of course, the body is alive. It's breathing, breathing itself. And we can be aware of the fact that the body is breathing. can be very helpful to stay with the body and the breathing to bring a sense of centeredness, hereness, uh, aliveness into the present momentness of what's here. We begin to collect body and consciousness by being aware of the body, the breath, 
please feel free to stay with the body and breathing if you wish. You could stay with it for the whole meditation. Or if you feel composed, collected here, you can relax and be very open and just be mindful, aware of whatever is in the foreground of awareness. Whatever is predominant in your experience, whether it's the process of thought or the process of feelings, emotions, or just aware of sounds and hearing or smells or tastes or touch. Same with this foundation of simply being here, being mindful of body, heart, and mind, however it displays itself. Not being enchanted with it so much as being aware of it, of knowing it directly through the experience itself of sensations or thoughts or emotions that have either gross sensations or very refined sensations of the sensation of thoughts in the brain or thoughts in consciousness or feeling happy or sad in the heart. Letting your meditation be very relaxed, very open, very simple tonight. And the one little extra instruction I would like to add is pay attention if you start to want anything to go away or anything to stay. If you start getting impatient with your thinking mind, or you keep wanting something to stay a long time, maybe some feeling, feeling joyous or gleeful. Notice when you get if you're being patient or impatient with the way reality is displaying itself here and now in your body, heart, mind.
I'm speaking, can you see me now? Because I'm not getting my own picture at all. I'm not getting it when I'm speaking. Can, can you see me or not? Yes, you can see me? Okay, good. I like seeing a blank screen that says AJ Cutchins on it. <laughs> it's true. And you should mute yourself, Albert. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, hi, everybody. Actually, I'm going to go to gallery so I can see you all a little bit. Hi, everybody. Really good to be here, even with uh, Techno Duke of Zoom. Um, uh, I have a topic I'd like to talk about tonight that I hope will be relevant for you all. It's, uh, it's one of the 10 paramis in, in Buddhism. Um, and it's called patience is how it's generally translated. The word is kanti in Pali or kashanti in Sanskrit. And, um, it seems like an appropriate, it seemed like an appropriate topic to uh, speak about today. Um, partly for myself, like I, I, uh, I uh, was looking around to think about what did I what did I want to talk about what might be relevant for people right now, and one of the topics that came up was patience. You know, are you being patient with reality right now, or are you impatient with reality right now? And um, and partly it came up because I have a lot of talks online, you know, that I've filed electronically and. Every once in a while, I look through and I think, oh, what do I have here? Do I have anything good after whatever, 30 years of teaching? And I found an old talk from uh, over 25 years ago or something. And, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it was on Conti, on patience. And so I looked at it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was good enough. And I thought, I'll talk about that. And so I've been playing with it ever since then, meaning um, uh, really sitting with it and looking at when I'm patient and impatient. And of course, this started yesterday. And then, and so let me just, here, let me just tell you a few things about the word uh, patience. Um, and it's like the same word as patient, right? We can be patient or impatient or we can be a patient, right, if something's wrong. And so the original word um, had to do with the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering uh, without getting upset about it. That's the a, that's a, that's a definition of the word. And then in the Latin, it originally meant bearing affliction calmly. Bearing affliction calmly, which is how being a patient came to be from this word, right? It, it came to mean one who was being treated for their suffering and that it was, uh, you became a patient. And if you were, in my language, a good patient, you were patient about being a patient. I hope that works, you know, hope that makes sense. In other words, there was some sense of calm about being about being ill or some sense of being present with the illness and being treated that you could then um, help or support whoever was treating you. 
in a, and I also looked in the thesaurus for other words and some of the other words for patience is forbearance, tolerance, restraint, calmness, equanimity, understanding, perseverance, endurance, tenacity, determination, resolve, all of those really good words for how do we practice with our lives? You know, does it help if we're, if we have some forbearance or if we can be tolerant of what's happening in order to respond to it skillfully, kindly, clearly, wisely? Um, or, or, you know, is there some determination to be here? Even if with just the meditation, we need a little determination to be here and be aware of what's actually here and to be aware of it. And then I went to sleep last night and uh, I actually had a good night's sleep until about 2.30 in the morning. And then I woke up and I had all this dukkha and I was not happy about the dukkha. And I was... Uh, I wanted something else to be happening other than 2.30 in the morning, dukkha in the mind, which basically it was. And, uh, and it's a, somewhat of a repeating pattern that I've had. When, when there's some dukkha, some difficulty, some uh, uh, heartache that needs to be metabolized, I, mostly I go through my day, I'm fine, and it's there. And, but in the middle of the night, it's like, oh yeah, pay attention to me is what happens. And so I wake up and my first response is, go away, get out of here. I, and I saw, I saw so clearly how attached I am to sleeping. I really like sleeping. And I've, I learned to be attached to it after I had my bad bicycle accident, because it was the only thing the doctors said would actually help my brain after I had a brain injury was sleep. And so I learned how to sleep because I'm a good student that way. So it was, and now I've really learned to appreciate it when I sleep and I like sleeping. And, and I was not happy last night about not sleeping at 2.30 in the morning. You know, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I got up, I went to the bathroom, I laid down, I thought I'll go back sleeping. No, my, my heart and mind were not going back to sleep. And I was impatient with it. I wanted it to change like that. I just didn't want that. And so, and then at some point I gave up and I thought, okay, let me get here with this. And so I remember turning over and, uh, and I have a certain posture that I use in bed. And then I'm starting to be mindful and inquire about what is this? What's here? And, and then really inviting it to be here, not being, really being patient with it now, because now I want to know what is this? And what is this body, heart, mind? What is this mentally, cognitively, affectively, somatically? What's here? And then things get interesting because I watched and I'm trying to make, I'm still, there's a subtle grasping for get rid of this. If I meditate right, it'll go away. That's what, if I inquire well, oh yeah, I'll just transform. And so I watch that and then still, and it's finally, and then I see, oh, there's more surrender to what's actually here. 
can I be with this? And it's not even a cognitive thought. It's just, I know enough to let myself be with it. And of course, at some point, it things relax because nothing is permanent anyways. And so I watched it relax. And so I thought, oh, yeah, when I woke up, I thought, for sure, I'm going to talk about patience, impatience, because of what happened. And, and I did speak with a friend of mine. And I said to him, I said, um, you know, I'm going to be talking about patience. And she said, uh, he, he said, oh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, Savlanut, Savlanut. Maybe some of you will know. And he said, you have to say it like this, Savlanut, Savlanut, which means it's a Hebrew word. It means be patient. What, what are you, impatient? Savlanut. And mostly it's done when you're driving around in, he was talking about being in Jerusalem, and he said that's what the drivers would do. If somebody was honking at them, they were like, Savlanut, you're impatient. Don't be impatient. So I'm adding that into the translations of Kanti now, or one of the different ways it's taught in another world, right? And what's interesting about, for me, about patience is I was never taught well to be patient. I was taught to get things done and do things well and make things happen and keep going but I wasn't taught to be patient. And when I was told to be patient, it was not a meditative instruction. It was not a perfection, right? This is one of the 10 perfections of the awakened heart is, is patience. And so the, the, it, was, it was my parents or my teachers or some authority telling me, oh, you need to be patient. If you want this to happen, you, you need to be more patient. Or what's wrong with you? Be patient, or stop doing what you're doing and be patient. And um, that uh, never worked very well for me personally, because I kind of have a reactive personality sometimes, once in a while. And uh, and yeah, and so I never really learned really learned patience. Well, let's see if that's true. I'm trying to think. Now, I learned patience through dukkha. It's true. Yeah, I'm remembering now because I had some very intense dukkha when I was a young teenager. And, uh, and that was really, um, um, it taught me patience, partly because I was incarcerated for a number of months. And you have to be patient there. You, you have to deal, you have to give yourself to what's actually there. Otherwise, you, you make it way worse. And, and I learned how to do that, how to be patient about things that were totally out of my control. And, but really, I learned so much when I, I, I learned so much more when I started sitting retreats, because you have to be patient with meditation, because you can't control it. And it's like, it'll drive you crazy, or at least it would drive me crazy if I tried to control it. I don't know, maybe all of you, you can control your meditations, but it hasn't been my experience. And, uh, um, and especially the teachings were also about being patient with what's called the, in, for living in the world, being patient with the eight worldly winds. And the eight worldly winds are um, gain and loss, 
praise and blame, success and failure, pleasure and pain, right? Gain and loss, which is just a normal part of life. We get things, we lose things, right? Or we, we get uh, a lot of praise, people like us or people don't like us. And we get both because that's just part of the deal. And there's success and failure. And I'm sure you've all had some of both, right? And pleasure and pain is also just here, right? It can be very pleasurable life, a moment, an experience, and it can be really, it can suck. It can be really painful, really difficult, right? And on any level of body, heart, and mind. And so learning how to be patient with the difficulty that can happen in meditation, right? Or that can happen in our lives is very supportive for us responding wisely and kindly and clearly and from the depth of our being, not just from our personality's reactivity. Saito Uteshaniya, he always said it great, he said, don't tell yourself to be patient. Don't tell yourself to be patient. Watch the impatience, right? And really, that's an interesting to watch. There's a lot of energy in the impatience. And I'm sure some of you have been impatient sometimes in your life. I may not be the only one. This is from uh, Relka. Relka said, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart. Be patient with all that is unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves. It's a beautiful Dharma teaching that he gives here, Relka. Be patient with all that is unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given because you are not able to live them. The point is to live everything. The point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answers. You will live yourself into the answers. And it's part of what happens if we're present on every level, somatic, affective, cognitive, and beyond, as we start to be present with what's here, and reality starts to reveal itself, or display itself, or manifest in ways we might not even expect. And so Kanti, or Kishanti, I actually like Kishanti is a better word, uh, used more in the, in the Mahayana traditions. It's not passive. That's also an important part of practice. Often we think the receptivity of meditation means we're being passive. It's not a passivity. It's, um, it's a receptivity. Receptivity is not passivity. And especially with, um, with um, patients, we're not just being um, passive about things. It means that to practice kashanti, that parami means to patiently or tolerantly forbear hardships and difficulties. And so in, if I was speaking in more 
conventional language, I would say egoically, we use our will, or we use that part of ourselves that knows we have the capacity to be with whatever's here and discover what's true by staying present with whatever is here. Um, yeah, and then the perfection of the reason it's a perfection of wisdom, these 10 paramis, is they transform difficult circumstances into the really the jeweling or the, 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 the gold of our heart. Of, our, of, of what we care about, of what's important to us, which is waking up and really seeing what is this experience of being a human being and discovering the fullness of it or the richness of it. And, and then, and then co-simultaneously co, co or just simultaneously, as we start to practice with, with uh, patience, and really um, see it as, an, uh, as a proactive part of practice, being patient with things we don't like. I didn't like last night. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like not sleeping. I didn't like the mind that kept spinning on shit that I've spun on before. It's like, I don't need to hear. I don't need to even think this stuff again. I've already thought it. I know it. I, I feel bad about it. And it's not anything really for me to feel bad about. It's really comparing and judging mind kind of stuff that has almost nothing to do with reality. But somehow the heart and mind, the psyche is plugged into it at times. And so it's happening. And But I didn't like it. But what I did know how to do is start to be patient with myself and practice with it and then see what happens as I really stay present with it. <clears throat> and then the, the uh, Kanti, Kashanti, it really ripens uh, in, in a sense of discovering the strength of our character and, and, and our integrity and our being and giving us a kind of vision and courage and dignity and depth. To, to who and what's here, because it's already here, that depth, that goodness, that profundity. And you all have tasted it, you all know it, and we want to keep realizing it, letting it become real in the world and not losing touch with it, even though we will at times. I don't, you don't want to feel guilty when you lose touch, but you want to see what happened. What happened to the one who knows? Because the knowing's here. <clears throat> and so this practice of patience, as I've said, calls for forward tolerance and forgiveness and compassion and loving kindness for others and for ourselves, right? Because it's not just a one-way street, it's for both, it's for everybody else. We want to we wanna be patient with each other. I mean, I know so many of you, and you're all good, and you've all got problems too. You know, you've all got pluses and minuses, just like I do, and like everybody does. And so learning, learning uh, Kanti or Kashanti and really practicing it means practicing it both internally and externally, for self and also for others. 
and really being kind. And it is really, for me, I, maybe I learned, I've learned about it many different places, but also being a parent, I learned so much about what it means to be kind to somebody else who has no idea what the world is about, right? They have no clue, little babies. And, you know, you can't just say to them, you do the right thing or, and don't be impatient about it, just do it, right? Because, of course, they're kids and they learn slowly and we learn slowly. And it's all step by step and it's really two steps forward, one step backward, which is sometimes how the Dharma is described. And it's really, and, and then we see that, in fact, that kindness supports, the patience supports the awakening, even of little children becoming human beings. And it supports our awakening in the maturation of our being here in the world now at this time. Of course, Rumi, the great Sufi poet, he said, Patience is the highest form of worship. Patience is the highest form of worship. <clears throat> and, you know, you see it sometimes. And one way to actually get a sense of how patient one might be is to think about people you know who are very patient or who've displayed that kind of patience to you and just feel them or sense them or get a, a hit of them. And, you know, I'm going to, of course, give a, an example of somebody who's, you know, maybe a high-class example of patience. Actually, he is a high-class example, which is uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who can be very patient and has been very patient with all the dukkha that he and his people and his country have suffered over the last, I don't even know how long it is now, 70 years or something, uh, you know, because of the ignorance of the Chinese government and, you know, doing what governments do, which is trying to control people in other countries. And, um, and uh, but also I've seen him personally, I've seen him uh, with people and, you know, meditators and asking him very sincere questions. And I was there once and he, he was asked, uh, he was asked, what's the quickest way to awakening? What's the quickest way to awakening? And he started weeping, right? And he said, patience is the quickest way to awakening. Be patient with your practice. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with everybody, right? And, you know, and of course, the Dalai Lama is free enough so he can laugh and cry at ease. It's not a big deal for him. He feels things and he's not bound to them. He has his emotions. In the Tao Te Chung, um, they talk about three important qualities that are developed in that tradition, simplicity, patience, and compassion, and that they're considered the three great treasures in that tra tradition. And one becomes simple in actions and thoughts, and they say helping return to so the source of being, 
when we do that, when we're simple, when we're not complex, we return, we discover the source of being that is right here, that you are a manifestation of and a doorway to at the same time. And then the second one is patience with both friends and enemies. And when you do that, you accord with the way things are. You come into harmony with the way things are. And it's uh, and being in harmony doesn't mean we don't act. I always want to make sure that's clear. It doesn't mean we just let everything happen. Being in harmony is we see that what's happening is happening out of delusion and confusion and prejudice, whatever of whatever sort it might be, whether it's sexism or racism or ageism or economic prejudice, um, you know, of being rich or poor or whatever it might be. It, it's, it's coming out of suffering, right? And so that helps us be patient. Patient doesn't mean not acting though. It means we still wanna act, but we want to be patient so we can stay established in the presence of wakefulness and respond to reality with all the skills of our body, heart, and mind, with all the maturation that's possible from our body, heart, and mind. And I think the last thing I'm going to read is from Suzuki Roshi. He said, and the, the word in Japanese is nin, which is for, for this parami. And nin is translated as patience. And he says, but perhaps constancy is a better word, constancy. And, and then he goes on to say, like I was saying before, like often patience is a, a, a rule or a, an authoritative uh, instruction. He said, um, uh, it, he says, constancy is a better word. You must force yourself to be patient. But in constancy, there is no particular effort involved. There is only the unchallenging ability to accept things as they are. It's really staying with the moment, the presence, whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, like or don't like, and then seeing what happens. And of course, he goes on, he gives a deeper teaching, which I'll want to put in the room here with all of us. He says, for people who have no idea of emptiness, this ability may appear to be, uh, to be, this ability may appear to be patience, but patience can actually be non-acceptance. People who know, even if only intuitively the state of emptiness, always have always have opened the possibility of accepting things as they are they can appreciate everything we in everything they do even though it may be very difficult they will always be able to dissolve their problems by constancy by their presence and awareness and wakefulness and of course it doesn't mean it dissolves in an instant it dissolves in the presence in step by step. And then he goes on, he says, Nin, right, patience, is the way we cultivate our own spirit. Nin is our way to continuous practice. We should always live 
in the dark, empty sky. He gets very poetic here. We should live in the dark, empty sky. The sky is always the sky. Even though clouds and lightning come, the sky is not disturbed. Even if the flashing of enlightenment comes, our practice forgets all about it. Then it is ready for another enlightenment. It is necessary for us to have enlightenments one after another, if possible, moment after moment. This is what is called enlightenment before you attain it and after you attain it. So those are a few words from me and from Suzuki Roshi about patience and uh, Kanti, Kashanti. And so I'd like to hear from you, uh, your thoughts, your reactions, liking, not liking. Were you patient with the talk or impatient? What, what do you notice about your own impatience or patience? What have you learned about this? And of course, go to the participants, uh, um, click the participants box there at the bottom of your screen, and that's where I believe you can raise your hand. I think that's accurate. Okay, Alicia, unmuting you. There we go. Hi. Hi, wait, I'm going to put speaker view on. No, I keep getting Albert. Well, can you see, can you see me now? Uh, now, there you yeah. go. It's just Albert because Albert ended up being the host It always will defer to him which Albert likes, so it's not, not a problem. <laughs> right, well, I'll, I'll apologize to Albert. <laughs> no, you don't. Sorry. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, I've, I've been thinking as you've been talking about patience that um, it seems that the word curiosity keeps popping up, like being patient <laughs> means somehow being curious and what will come next and they seem to be sort of twinned in my yeah. mind. You've been talking about it. Yeah, beautiful. No, I think that's beautiful. You start to see how the different, um, the different qualities of the awakened heart and mind start to merge at some point, or maybe not. They merge and they also impact each other. And curiosity, I associate with investigation and the curiosity about reality and when we're curious about it we're not just reacting to it we're, we're right. looking to right. not, yeah. not passive also pardon not passive also right that's right it's not passive it's really a proactive relationship yeah yeah great yeah. and are you one of these people who never gets impatient <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> But we, pra we practice patience. It's one of our things that we're conscious of. Great, great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important if you live with someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, really. And, and it's really, and, it, and of course, but really we're all here together, right? And right. that's why it's important to, to learn it individually and then collectively to be patient. and. I didn't say this, I meant to say it in the talk, but of course, 
the COVID-19 retreat is such a beautiful retreat about being patient because right. everybody's lost some of everything. And it's been a little bit traumatic for everybody, the change in reality and, and learning how to be patient you know, like when you go to the store and buy some food and stay in line and wear the mask and da da da, you know, and all the to dos that need to happen and that are important. And it's really not a bad thing. It's quite a good thing that we're learning more about being patient collectively. Yeah, well, amen. Yeah, thank you. I like amen. <laughs> thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to lower your hand. And then Karen. Hi, Hi thank you. Um, there's a lot here, but I but, you know, cannot take up the whole thing. I guess my question, the biggest question was when you were talking about your duka when you woke up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And me, I'm you broke, well, wait, 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 you broke up. Sorry. Okay. okay. Um, so when that happens to me, when I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes, most of the time, it's fine. I go to the bathroom, I go back to sleep. But, it, but there's always a part of my mind that's going, please don't let me start thinking about whatever is worrying me so that I can go back to sleep. And when that doesn't happen, so this is my question. Mm -hmm. When I start, when I'm, it could be any time, but when I'm trying to go back to sleep and then I start thinking about the things I'm anxious about and my mind is going around and around the same idea. My question is, how can I be with it mm -hmm. and not be caught up in it? Yeah, that's, that's difficult practice. Yeah. And, and you will be caught up in it, but you want to be patient with yourself for even being caught up in it. Yeah. And then look, at least what I try, I do two things. Either I'm going to investigate what's happening and be proactive in that way, or I'm going to go to something simple and non-cognitive in order to relax. And so I'll go to the body and the mm. breath Mm -hmm. And I'll usually do whole body breathing, which is just my thing. I like that. And, and then I stay and I get very, uh, I'm proactive though. I'm being proactive with the breath, meaning being aware of it and being a little fierce about it. Like really in breath, out breath, in breath, out breath. And then the thoughts, you know, trying to do their thing and I'm letting, I'm not trying to stop them, but I'm going towards the breathing. Because that and the whole body lying there. And of course, I lie with my knees up, so I'm flat mm -hmm. back. Yeah. yeah. So if, if I do that, which I do do sometimes, I mean, is that a way to observe what's happening? I guess I'm trying to figure out how can I watch what's happening, watch what's going on through my mind. Well, yeah, and not get caught up in it. And can I be watching it? What is that thing that's going to give me a little distance? And maybe it is what you're talking about. Maybe it is that the conscious breathing. The body breathing. That's one way. But also yeah. really be kind to yourself 
because yeah. you're going to be caught in it for a while. And the caught. So that's where the patience comes in. Yes. Yeah. And also the caught. Be aware of what's caught. Not, not just the words, but the energy. The word I use is the cathexis, the yeah. energetic connection that's there. Because, I mean, I didn't care. The words, I'd heard my words a million. I've heard them 20 times. Right. You know, you know right. but the energy was there. So I had to pay attention to that. And that is, a, for me, that's a very subtle, yeah. kinesthetic experience. So it's, it's, the, it's the distinction between the content and then the the experience of the content. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Kitty, um, unmute you. Hey there. Hi, Hi everybody. Good to see all these faces. Um. I just wanted to comment that right towards the end when you said, uh, I don't know exactly how you said it, but turning towards things and the willingness to stay with them when they're not going to change. I mean, is that close enough? So you know what I mean? Uh, close enough. Um, I just had this, right in that moment that you said that, I had this like kind of sick feeling and this upwelling of heat that was like, Oh, I mean, just at some really fundamental level, like how much I, we don't want to do that. It just really hit me. And I, you know, probably because I'm in this, you know, we're all in this circumstance that it feels like that at the moment. But yeah, anyway. No, great, great to feel it. And I don't mean it feels great. Yeah. I mean, great to have that come forward because it starts to not be static or held or just contained, and then it can move. I, I love the fact that emo emotions have the word motion in them, right? And so that they can come, and that kind of heat, and great, that's part of the movement of the life, life that's there that is not happy about what the hell is happening. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be happy about it. Yeah, it's it just like um, unfixating it or something. I'm trying to yeah, yeah, right yeah. Word, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good way to say it, unfixating, de-reifying it. <laughs> We're making up words, but who cares? <laughs> They're all made up. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I appreciate that. I never thought that before, but that's true. They're all made up. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Okay, we need some more hands up. It's your time. And it gets way more interesting when you, you know, join in. I, I want, I will say one other thing about the gallery view. I'm going back to gallery view. And, uh, you know, because I like to see you so I can see who's not raising their hand. Uh, I'm kidding you a little. Um, but what happens is, I'll go to the first screen, then the second and third screen, like there's no pictures, meaning there's nobody live on the second and third screen. I just did a side, I just did a retreat with Venerable Analyo, and you couldn't be on the retreat in, if you didn't have your, your video on so that he could see you. 
And I thought, oh, we should start doing that because why, why do people not have their screen on? I mean, I, I could make up a lot of ideas in my mind about why you might not have your screen on, but why not? Come on and tell me, explain that to me. And of course, I'm not, I'll be kind. I won't say your names because of course, your names are all here on the screen. But, but it's like, oh, it's much nicer, come on, to see human beings, even in this form at this time, than to see a screen with your name on it. Okay, Maggie. Well, one reason people don't appear on the screen is that um, they don't have a camera, okay. that their technology is not sufficient. Okay, that's good. Good for me to know. I, I'm very technologically ignorant, to be honest. And I just think if you've got a computer, you have a, you have a, a video. Yeah, I have two friends who don't, and that, that makes it more difficult for them as well. Sure, sure, sure. No, thank you for saying that. And somebody else, as I see, wrote something in the chat box saying they have eye strain post-concussion, right? So it's hard to be on video. Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm not really yelling at everybody is wrong, but a lot of people just put their video on or shut their video off when they don't want to uh, when they want to do other things while they're being here. And I don't care if you do other things while you're being here. You could do that. I, I just want to see you. Anything else? Are you raising your hand, Albert? Well, you got to do it. You got to go to the chat box. Anyhow, go ahead, Albert. It, it doesn't work, I think, because I'm the host. I don't have a hand raised. Uh -huh. uh, anyway, I do have a question for you. Go ahead. So um, it seems to me that maybe for uh, some of us, sometimes for me, uh, the hardest thing to be patient or tolerant of is um, is the fact of, of that we're going to die. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my own experience is sometimes I'm just fine with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just seems intolerable. Right. But is that, is, uh, and that's a, a great question, but is that about patience? Well, uh, yes, I, I, I think it is. Okay. In what way? What are you impatient about? Not that you're going to, that it's going to happen too soon or? It's, um, it's more the, uh, the other shading of patience or tolerance or kashanti. Uh-huh. Being able to endure it or bear it. Uh-huh. Right. Like, 
can I stand this? Uh-huh. I mean, you know, the, the what I've read about Kashanti talks about the form of Kashanti, the highest form of Kashanti is being able to bear the truth uh-huh. of our lives. Right, okay. Fundamental aspect of that is uh-huh. we're going to die. Right. Uh, so that's what I've read about it, but I'm wondering what, what you can say about it. Well, uh, what is it you can't tolerate about the fact that you're going to die? Um, it seems, uh, you know, like I said, much of the time it seems just fine. But sometimes it just seems terrible that all of this is just going to... Right. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. Another, I think about when um, um, the abbot of Zen Center got uh, mortally ill. Uh, uh, yeah. And he sent a letter around saying, uh, I don't mind dying, but I hate to leave my children crying. Uh-huh. Yeah. A line from an old Buddha song. So that's another aspect of it. It's uh-huh. very hard to endure. Right. Well, there's different responses because there's a, it's a very true thing what you're saying, right? And it's like, it will be harder, actually, you're dying will be harder for other people than it will be for you, in my opinion, really. I mean, and, and I mean that sincerely that it's really um and so and so your concern about them your wish for them um uh uh and 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 your it it makes total sense and you know and especially with children your father that's a certain very um uh undescribable connection for most people who are parents right and um, it's true, you, you are going to die anyways. And so how does one find one's balance with that? And I, I, I think you will. Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways I can say this. And because I know you a long time, I can say it this way. You know, right? I've never met anybody who couldn't die. Right, because everybody actually does it. No matter what we think beforehand, or what we believe, or what we feel, and so something happens where that cathexis with life relaxes. And here I'll say it this way: What the Buddha said. Let me see if I can remember the quote. He he said the three things about he was attached to youth, health, and life. Right, and he he was, yeah, and he was uh, infatuated with youth, with health, and with life. And at some point, those let go, but they didn't let go immediately for him. But as he reflected on it, actually, in my language, as he inquired into it, it let go of him. Right, and so it's part, just part of practice what you're describing. And it's part of Kashanti practice. It's total Zen practice. And Albert's been a Zen practitioner for 
you know, a thousand years now. And so, um, and, and even if I'm quoting your, you know, your teacher's teacher, right? He says, you know, what Suzuki said, for people who have no idea of emptiness, this ability may, may uh, appear to be patience, but patience can actually be non-acceptance, right? People who know even intuitively the state of emptiness always have opened the possibility of accepting things as they are. And it is part of the deepening of one's understanding for all of us of emptiness. And what was interesting, the retreat I was just on with Analyo was about the Brahma Viharas and emptiness and, and how the Brahma Viharas opened to these four stages of emptiness that we went through. And yeah, it was, you know, especially the emptiness part I thought was really, really interesting. And there were times when I was impatient with Venerable Analyo about his teaching and I wanted him to be different. And that's just, but, but I was patient with my impatience. And that's an important part of practice for all of us. Anything else, my friend? <laughs> okay. Who else? Who would like to talk about being impatient with COVID-19 or with their minds or whatever? Here we go. Julie. Oh, yeah. You unmuted yourself, I believe. Good. Hi, Eugene. Hi. Hi. Um, you caught my attention when you mentioned your children, and I don't know how old your children are, but I'm a parent to a 12 and a almost 15 year old. Mm -hmm. And we're in a really intense experience with my older child right now. Yeah. Just sitting with, you know, when I'm reactive, I have no patience. Uh -huh, right. But then as I return to where I am and our, and all of her experience and all of my experience in my lifetime brings compassion and patience, uh -huh. truly, yep. there is some ego concern that I am not being an effective parent uh, because I find myself being understanding or... What makes you not an effective parent? Well, I want to make sure she learns certain things that are important. Yeah, that's and so sometimes talking or understanding is good, and then sometimes we're recognizing she's really learning that we, if she knows how to talk to us and tell us what we really, even though there's truth to what she's saying, right? Then my husband and I both relax around her. Uh huh. And that does create more compassion and love in the environment. But then I can feel like my ego kind of knocking on my, knocking on me. Like what, how, wh I don't know, just want to, I don't know how old your kids are, but I just was like, maybe you have some, some wisdom. Cause it's in one way I can be like, you know, I have a strong spiritual practice and I'm dedicated to my practices and, but I'm, you know, I'm 50 years old. So, okay. So let me say a couple of things because yeah. I'm going to 
contextualize it, especially with COVID-19. All the parents I know, their kids have been driving them crazy because they're all home all the time and it's hard. And like, and I have some neighbors who lovely people, lovely parents, lovely kids, two boys, eight and 11, they're driving their parents crazy, right? Because there's not a lot for the kids to do. And then, and just, and even, you know, and, and then the whole question of parenting has so much idealized projection on it that we should be this perfect way so then the kids will be okay. And we're not in control. We're not. We can, all we can do is the best we can and be patient with the process because it's not over. And the one thing, I have one daughter, and the one thing about her that has been very illuminating is to watch her grow up because she's 37 right now, right? So she's a total adult and doing fine and good, you know, And but I've watched her ups and downs and my ups and downs being a parent, right? Because sometimes I'm a really good parent and sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that parent. And they're both true. And so being patient with my parenting and patient with her growing up, both important. And, you know, we have a good enough relationship. She's been appreciative of sometimes when I haven't been very patient with her. Because I think there was, in her whole childhood, there was only one time I spanked her, really. And this was even before spanking was totally taboo in in the United States of America, which she, um, I can't remember, she was sick and, and uh, I was taking care of her. She was home from school. She's, I don't know, six, maybe five. And, and, uh, and I said, well, you know, put on slippers to go to the bathroom because we had cold floors. And, and, she, and she went and she, she didn't want to do what I told her. So she went to the closet and pissed in the closet. And I had a reaction to it. I wasn't being patient with that at all. And I got up, I went boom, and gave her a slap on the butt. And, you know, you clean that up. Da, 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 da. And I've never did anything like that before since then. And, and, uh, and later she said, oh, that was great for me. I really learned something there, Dad, because I was really just being an asshole, right? But that was a number of years later when she had a different perspective and she could understand, you don't do that, right? And that's how she learned not to do it because she never pissed in the closet again, I'm happy to say. So, but you know, and, but who knows? I could feel guilty about that forever, right? As a parent, or I could see I had a reaction, I acted on it. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but um, I wouldn't, ever want to do that again, unless it was needed for some bizarre reason, because who knows what's needed when you're a parent. And it's, it can be very hard. And I drove my parents crazy, really. And they were very kind. And But sometimes, at some point, they needed to be tougher with me, not nicer to me. Right? Well, and I think that's something I'm like, I'm, I'm playing with right now is the passivity uh -huh. patience yeah. right there is some passivity that comes with patience or yeah. 
Yeah. Is there passivity or is there wisdom with well, being? How do you know until you're until your kid's thirty seven and you're looking back? <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you live with it? <laughs> I think you'll know sooner than that. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you know in the moment from the kid, right? Yeah. Depending yeah. if you're not being patient. Yeah. Or if you're being patient and they're acting like idiots, yeah, that's not that's not helpful to them. Yeah, yeah. And you may need to be a little uh, fiercer as a parent because we live in this very everybody needs to be nice society, especially around parenting. And it's hard to be a parent, and kids need discipline, and it's something that we all need. Right, especially as meditators, we all need discipline. They need discipline, and they need to learn it from the parent generally. And and be really kind, be patient with your parenting. Yeah, be really kind to yourself because it's it's hard, and and we're all just learning how to do it as we do it. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Thanks. Sure. Okay, I think that's a good ending right at 7.30. May we all be patient with ourselves and with our children and with our loved ones and with the world. And we'll just sit for a minute and offer our patience in every direction, in every realm, in every world. May we be patient with beings here in this world and the worlds above and below and around. And may all beings realize their patient hearts and minds that can bring wisdom, the patient, the wisdom of patience, of Kashanti, of seeing clearly what's here and then responding appropriately as best we can. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from impatience. May all beings awaken. May we wake up and realize our true nature, our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion and patience. Thank you, everybody. Good to be with you. I think I'm here again.